0: Welcome back to Test Talks. My name is Tessa and I'm your host. Today I am chatting with my friend Crazy Tracy again and we are going to talk about her brain journey. She has something that is called Chiari malformation and this is a structural defect in the cerebellum. Basically, it's where the lo- lower part of your brain presses on and then through an opening in the base of your skull and then it presses up against your spinal canal and so this is something that is definitely serious and life-threatening um, but this is also how we came to call her Crazy Tracy because she literally lost her mind and we think that's really funny. Um, so I hope you enjoy our chat. She's going to tell us about her, her brain journey and how Chiari malformation has affected her life. Now, I want you guys to know that, um, you know, Tracy and I have been friends for a really long time and she the only way she can get through things like that is because she has great dark humor. So we do a lot of laughing and silliness through this conversation. but. I don't want you guys to think that we're making fun of it or I think that we're just two of us together is a little bit more than most people can handle. So I hope you do enjoy this chat and I hope you learn as much as you can about Chiari malformations that you possibly can help someone else. If you have questions after our conversation, feel free to reach out and I'm more than happy to put you in touch with Tracy. So, without further ado, here is our crazy conversation because, of course, hello, it's Tracy. Let's get started.
1: Oh, your daughter in law is going to hate me.
0: Oh, <laughs> um, my gosh. You are such a brat. <laughs> uh,
1: okay, I'll behave now. Maybe. You're such a I'll brat. I'll try. <laughs> no. <sighs> okay.
0: Okay. <clears throat> mm. You missed it, mm. <laughs> Tracy. I'm so excited to have you back on my show. We have been, we have spent a bunch of time before this having a good time. And, um, so if I, anyway, if I laugh too much, I apologize. Um, so. Tracy is going to talk to us today and share with us about her um, brain journey and that is probably got a lot of you going what the heck are you talking about but um, she's going to share that with us so tell us Tracy um, I guess what it is that uh, the you know medical name and when you first discovered it and your just your whole journey so.
1: So I um, didn't know what it was until 2011. But my journey actually started in uh, 1999. Um, we were living in Oregon. I was at work um, at the time. I worked for a car auto quote our car, car auto insurance company, and um, I had a subway sandwich, a meatball subway sandwich. And it was so weird because I didn't feel good. And I love Subway's meatball so much, Subway sandwich. That's so like the greatest Subway sandwich on the planet. <laughs> and I was married to my first husband at the time and we only had the one car. And as I was driving home, my head hurt, which for me was odd because I didn't even have a headache except like a brain freeze because you drink an icy too fast. But I hadn't really ever had a real headache and I'm, I'm driving home and I something's wrong. And I, it's getting worse and worse and worse as I'm driving home. And I, I don't remember how I got home. I don't remember when I got home. I don't remember getting home. Um, but I, I do remember telling my husband there's something wrong. And I remember using those words. There's something wrong. I need help. Now, my first husband is, is not my second husband. My, my first husband, it, it's not a compassionate person to say the least so he said I'm going to work uh call your friend Dawn I'll see you later and I don't remember calling Dawn I don't remember the the conversation I had with her but the next thing I remember her and her husband are trying to get me in the car and I remember that we had a I couldn't get into the car it it they literally kind of like pushed me into the back seat and shoved me in there and shut the door. And then the next thing I remember, um, I was in the emergency room and then um, they told me that they had to admit me. So I'm on the floor and um, this was the scariest part. And I I remember it as if it was, you know, two minutes ago. Um, And use the restroom. And I got up and I opened the door to the restroom and I looked around in there and I didn't know what to do. I couldn't figure out how to use the bathroom. I, I had no idea what anything was. So I pushed the call button and the nurse came in and I looked at her and I said, um, how do I use the bathroom? I, I know that I need to, and I know that I'm using the right word, but I don't know what to do in that room. And the next thing I know, um, they're rushing me up to ICU. And um, I was in ICU and luckily my Bishop was a doctor um, because my husband never visited me. And I, again, there's a reason behind Never, he did not visit me while I was in ICU. He did not. I did not see him again until I was released from the hospital and home. He didn't visit me at the hospital at all.
0: How long were you there?
1: I was there, I think, two weeks. I remember it was while they were taking me up to ICU, it started snowing. And I remember thinking, this is the last time I'll ever see snow again. So I was in ICU and the bishop came and and, um, couldn't remember how to use utensils, couldn't remember how to eat and I was getting worse every day. And you could see the concern in my in my bishop's eyes. And um, I remember them coming in asking me if I had a will in place and a, a living will in place. And I said, no. And the bishop was there and uh, they asked him, do you know what we're going to do with the body? And he said, I'll take care of everything. And so the bishop literally um, planned my funeral he he got the funeral home everything he he did everything in case I didn't make it out so um they're running tons of tests they're doing all this stuff and I'm failing is the word that they used and we couldn't figure out why I'm failing They're every medication every test they can run every scan they can do you know we're doing everything and finally Um, they had to change a neurologist. It was a different neurologist that had come in and, uh, he goes, I, I think you're in pain. And I said, yeah, my head hurts. He goes, well, how bad does your head hurt? I said, Oh, (laughs) I've never felt pain like this before. He goes, you are in so much pain that your brain is shutting down. We need to get that taken care of. And, um, as soon as they changed the pain regimen, uh, Day and a half later, I was on a normal floor, but they figured out that it literally was the pain in my head. And they think that I um, already had a high pain tolerance, and that's why I might have, quote-unquote, been blowing it off a little bit more and not describing it as intense as it probably was. So um, So, I was on a... So
0: if the first doctor if if that had been your doctor the whole time Mm -hmm. but you would have died probably by the
1: time they figured out what was wrong uh they were about to intubate and put a feeding tube in
0: oh my gosh
1: yeah so i i was it was pretty bad it was um it was really scary um, but I, I got to, you know, I started doing better. I was on a normal floor so that they could watch me for a few days to make sure that the pain was under control and that I had my memories back because, you know, I had to remember how to read it again and write again and numbers. And I mean, it literally took me a little bit to remember anything, you know, how, how to use the utensils, what the utensils were for, how to cut food like getting a piece of chicken and remembering I have to cut the chicken to eat the chicken. Um, it, it literally, you know, the nurses kind of had to walk me through childhood to current type thing. Like, you know, basic, you drink from a straw, this, you suck into the straw, you pour, you know, yeah. they literally had to, to teach me again. And, um, you know, that was, all because of pain and we had no idea why i was having brain pain you know like migraine we did mris we did cat scans we did everything and we never figured at the time um we never figured out what was wrong we didn't figure out what caused it it was just um i think they finally labeled it an acute migraine so we didn't have very good insurance Um, And I was in ICU for a while. So luckily the um, hospital wrote it off, but it meant that I couldn't get very good care afterwards. Um, So um, I I didn't have very good follow-up. I I didn't have a lot of of good quality care. Um, It took a few years for me to find a neurologist and start a regimen, some pain regimen, some um, migraine control, um, and sadly each res- regiment only lasted a short period of time or the side effects were so bad that I would rather have the pain than the side effects, but then the pain was still shutting my head down. So, um, I was very lucky, uh, for a few years to have, uh, a neurologist that knew I was a freak. There was just no other way to put it. You know, I, I was a freak and um, he did a really good job with me and I was on a lot of experimental meds. I was on a lot of uh, trials to try and find something that worked with my, what we were calling acute migraine. Um, But things just didn't work as well for me as they were working for most people with migraines. So over the years, I just kind of accepted, I have head pain well, that head pain, you know, my, my kids at the time were younger, they, they were little, and um, they had to deal with a sick mom, a mom that had a lot of pain. And sometimes the pain would be so bad, all I could do was scream. And the scream, I think Stefan described it <clears throat> as the worst horror slasher movie still sounded more innocent than the sound that would come out of my mouth.
0: Poor Stefan.
1: He was so young. He was. He and you know, and 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 Blake was tiny. You know, he. This is in '99. He was born in '97. So Blake always had a sick mom. So as the years go by, you know, we've we've learned, I have brain pain, and I have to live with the brain pain. And sometimes my brain pain is worse, and sometimes it's better. But I was always in pain there was I never got a break from pain from 1999 I I 24 7 had some level of pain in my head
0: oh I can't imagine trying to do anything
1: especially with little kids (laughs) oh it was it was horrible. but you know you just here's the thing and you know if you think about every person has something that they are dealing with Some people have back pain. Some people have emotional pain. Some people have scars. Everybody has something that they're dealing with that's different than somebody else. You know, there's a lot of people that have mig mig that have migraines. There's you know, but the migraine is different for different people. We don't all have the same pain. We don't all have the same scars. We don't all have the same issues but it's, it's our journey. And that pain, that was my pain. And I, it it was just, that was my life. Then, um, in 2011, well, in 2007, I, I married my current husband and it was funny. Um, he confessed later. I, I had warned him before we got married that I, I, my head hurts. And I'd warned him that I have these screaming fits. I'd warned him that I, I'd pass out. I did everything I could to warn him. Here's this adorable, hot, 22-year-old, sexy man <laughs> dealing with me. And I, I did everything I can to make him go away because who wants to deal with a crazy person that screams in pain randomly, period the stupid man still buried me like the man I, I love him 16 years later he's still stuck with me. i don't know what he was thinking but i i did i warned him i said look there's something wrong with me no neurologist nobody knows what's wrong with me i just have these this brain pain and um in 2011 i was working for habitat for humanity and we had just gotten health insurance a few months earlier and i I went to Garrett and I said, you know, there's something different. He's like, what are you talking about? I said, I feel like my brain's being tasered. He looked at me like I was crazy. He's like, well, isn't that the pain that you always feel? I said, no, I I literally feel like I'm being electrocuted. He's like, Tracy, you need to see a doctor. I said, no, it's just my head. He's like, no, Mm no, we're going to go see a doctor. I'm like, eh, I'm fine. Because, you know, my first husband didn't care. I just had to suck it up and deal with it. Whereas this husband's like, no, no, we're done. So I got a referral to see a neurologist and she sends me down to an MRI and, uh, you know, I see her first and then I go downstairs for the MRI and, um, they're, they do the MRI and, you know, I get out of the MRI. They're like, don't leave. What's wrong? They're like, don't leave. You you need to go see your doctor again. I said, okay. They're like, no, you need to go back upstairs. And I said, what's going on? And they're like, well, she's going to talk to you. And I said, the the radiologist hasn't even read the MRI yet. And they're like, you need to go back upstairs now. And Garrett and I kind of-
0: That's not normal for for them to be like, hey, we're going to talk to you about this right now. (laughs) Yeah, and it kind of freaked us both out. But then again,
1: we kind of blew it off too. Like, maybe they're just going to tell us it's nothing and I'm a freak. Because I had become so accustomed to neurologists going, we don't know what's wrong. Get over it. You know, you have pain. This is your new world. So I was kind of expecting a... There's nothing wrong with you. Conversation. Like, we still don't know what's wrong with you. And the electrocution, you're just weird. I I was literally expecting a, we don't know what's wrong with you. Cause that's what I had been hearing since 99 acute migraine. And I was just expecting, well, your migraine has changed. You now get electrocuted rather than just pain. And you were okay with that? Like, what? Welcome (laughs) to my.
0: Electrocuted now.
1: Yeah, I, honestly, it was so much pain. Okay, I'm being electrocuted now, you know? It, it sounds crazy, but it was a lot of pain. And and when you get acclimated to that amount of pain and then the pain changes, you're like, all right, this is the new pain. So I remember we went back upstairs and um, the receptionist looked at me. And she's like, oh, just wait. It, it'll be a few minutes I was like okay you know they're they're throwing me back in she's probably got other appointments and again I'm still blowing it off because I'm being electrocuted you know just, here's my new normal and then um <clears throat> we walk in her office and I'm so glad my husband was with me Oh, me too. <laughs> and um, she she had a look on her face that I had never seen before, ever. And um, she's like, "Well, your MRI told us a lot, and I've already called a neurosurgeon, and I, I, I don't think." I processed anything after I've already called a neurosurgeon. And um, the next thing I remember, I'm in the car with my husband and we're driving home. And I look at him and I say, I need brain surgery. And he looks at me, he says, yeah, you do and the concept of that was the hardest thing to grasp i need brain surgery but you're probably in shock oh my gosh right i've been in pain since 99 and all of a sudden i need brain surgery what's this thing chiari malformation what's what is she talking about how how do i have this Chiari malformation. I've been broken since 99. Why do I have this word now? Nobody's ever used these words before. And what what do you mean I need brain surgery? So um, that same day, I got a call from the neurosurgeon that she had called and he's like, you need to come up here next week. Um, I think it was a Thursday and um, I had an appointment with him on Tuesday. So Garrett and I drove the four and a half hours up to him and he put, it was the first time I had seen my um, MRIs and here was the crazy thing. So take a moment and feel the back of your head and you'll feel two lumps back there. They, they kind of feel like two little, two, two lumps. It, it's actually your bone kind of making a ledge for your brain. Mm -hmm. because you have a a cerebellum it it looks like an egg up in your head and your cerebellum is your motor functions it's you walk it's your motor functions and it's kind of this egg kind of hanging up there well if you laugh too hard if you stop short if you get in a car accident if you sneeze cough something a lot of times that cerebellum breaks loose and those two little ledge things you felt catches it and it's it's fine it just it's caught it stays there that your brain and your skull know that it's going to fall out so it catches it well for me on my right side um I didn't have a ledge um mine was actually flat and tilted it was a slide so when my cerebellum fell down it decided that a part of it wanted to slide into my spinal cord and it it slid into my spinal cord. Now,
0: is that what was working?
1: the electric shocks? It was because it had fallen on the spinal cord? Actually, it was because where I'm kind of a stranger case than most Chiari patients. Um, most of the time it falls down and it's just a little slide. It's like a three millimeter, four millimeter, five millimeter little divot in there. Well, mine had gone down and it was pressing on the stem. and that was the electrocution was the brain uh, synapses in my spinal cord were being disrupted. And by this time I was having a problem with my hands and feet. I, I was losing motor functions in my hands and feet. I was in a wheelchair at this point in time. I couldn't see very well. It was causing a lot of disruptions in my life. And, um, most of the time, Chiari surgery, you can wait a few months, you can wait a few years. Um, and sometimes you don't need the surgery at all. And I, I remember him, he had the, the photos with the light board and he showed me it. And he goes, you know, I've been doing this for a few years now. And most of the time I tell people, ah, you know, you're fine with or without it, you know, and I'll give them some options if they don't want to have it. He goes on a scale of one to 10 for a need for surgery, you're at a nine and a half. And I've never said that before in my entire career. So we're doing the surgery. This isn't optional. You'll die. And then I get a phone call, um, because my insurance, you know, this was during Obamacare and, um, a lot of stuff was happening, but I I got the pre-authorizations, and as I was talking to the nurse, I found out um, and they had to tell me I had less than 5% chance of survival and zero of ever walking again. If I did survive, I would either be in a vegetated state or just long enough to get my affairs in order, and that I needed to get my affairs in order before the surgery. Now, at this point in time, I still had two boys at home. You know? So you know we have to do the four and a half drive home four and a half hour drive home and discuss you know what are we going to do and the fact of the matter was i didn't have an option we were going to do the surgery because i still had that 5% chance because i had a zero chance if i didn't and i was going to take the 5% chance so we get home and uh at this point in time i had a really difficult relationship with my mom um, and we weren't very close, but I needed help and I needed somebody to watch my kids while I was in surgery. And so I called her and I told her, I've, I've never asked much from you and I've, I've never, I've just never asked much from you, but I, I need your help. I need you to come out and watch my children while I have brain surgery. I'll be gone at least 10 days. And I need you to keep them in school and having the most normal life they can but I also need you to prepare their dads because I had two boys from two different dads. And there was a possibility if something happened to me, I needed somebody to be able to separate my boys and make sure custody arrangements and everything else that they came and got them that, you know, paperwork was handed. And I think that's when it hit me is, I can't lose my kids. I was newly married. I only got married in 2007 and I had this amazing man in my life. I had a great job. I got to work for a nonprofit. Like my world was supposed to be better and I'm dying. So um, she comes out and she took care of my kids and we go up North and um, my surgery was only supposed to be uh, four to six hours and it ended up being an eight hour surgery. There were some unique situations that happened during the surgery. Um, there was a bump. There was uh, some brain synapsis issues. Um, weird things that could happen, happened. And um, I can remember waking up and it was <laughs> the strangest feeling in the world. You know, I'm in ICU and I'm in, in neuro ICU. And I remember waking up feeling claustrophobic as if the room was full of people. Like I thought that it was full of doctors and nurses and it, it turned out. So I pressed my call button because I'm in pain and all these people and nobody's listening to me. The Nurse comes in. I realized the room's empty that I had no idea. I, I literally thought the room was full of people. And uh, the nurse is like, what's wrong? I'm like, make all the people go away. She's like, there's nobody here. I'm like, make the pain go away. And uh, then I passed out from the pain. And then all the people come in the room. <laughs> now it now it's claustrophobic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. um, they had to put a pain pump in to where I could push the button and, and get as much pain meds as I wanted as often as I wanted. And um, it was, it was really difficult because I'd wake up and pass out and wake up and pass out because the pain was just so overwhelming. But I kept remembering, all right, I'm going to keep waking up. I'm going to keep waking up. And so finally, I'm like, all right, I want to go for a walk. And they look at me like, it's grown a horn. She's like, what? I said, I need to get out of bed. She's like, how about no? I'm like, either you help me out of bed or I get out of bed on my own. She she did not like that answer. She goes, all right, I'll go get the wheelchair. I said, no, I'll walk. She's like, I'm going to go get the wheelchair. I'm like, all right, you can follow me with it, but I'm going to walk. She goes, ma'am, I don't think you would realize we removed part of your cerebellum. I'm like, okay. She's like, I'm going to go get the wheelchair. I said, okay, I'll be ready for you. She's like, do not get out of the bed. I'm like, I'm not going to get out of the bed. I'm just going to get to the edge of the bed. She's like, how about, no. I'm like, how about go get the wheelchair? So she gets the wheelchair and I stand up and she's like, all right, you can go ahead and sit in the chair. I said, no, I'm, I'm going to walk. She's like, you can't walk. I said, watch me. She's like, ma'am, we cut out a part of your cerebellum. How about we start slow? hi, I'm Tracy. I don't know slow. She's like, well, hi. I can't remember her name. She goes, and I'm your nurse. I'm like, and you're going to follow me with the wheelchair. She's like, you're going to be fun. I'm like, sure. Let's go with that. Let's go. And I start walking and she's like right behind me with that wheelchair. Like it was bumping the back. Like she was ready for me to fall into the wheelchair. Like she, she's right there. Like, whoa. So I walk in circles around the nurse's station and she, dude, she just looked pale white. Like if, if, if somebody was green, that poor woman was green. And I said, okay, I'm, I'm ready to go back to bed. She's like, do you want me to push you? I said, no, I'm going to walk. She's just giving me a weird looks. So I go and I sit down and she goes, okay, you're ghost walking. Cause that's never going to happen again. And I'm like, what do you mean ghost walking? She's like, I don't think your brain is caught up with how much we've, removed and so as soon as your brain catches up you need to know you're not gonna walk again and i'm like and you need to know i am she's like that's that's not really how the brain works i said well we'll see so that night i tell the nurse i said i i want to walk again she's like okay i'll go get the wheelchair i said okay whatever she's doing the same thing They're like right behind me with that chair like right there like oh she's gonna fall i'm gonna catch her in the chair so i i do you know two laps around the nurse's station again and i'm like okay i'm gonna go back to bed and she's like okay do you want me to wheel you i said no i'm gonna walk and um i get back to bed and she goes i don't understand you know you've you've been awake for a while now i said yeah and uh, she goes well most of the time by now your your brain has processed the trauma and I said okay she's you shouldn't be walking we we cut a pretty decent amount out you you should not be walking I said eh, I'm fine and she's like oh you had brain matter removed from your I don't and the funny thing is like she's looking for her words to try and describe the removal of brain matter from my skull and how I'm not ever going to walk again. And I'm trying to describe, don't tell me what to do. Hi, I'm Tracy. Nobody (laughs) tells me what to do, let alone that I can't walk. When I'm walking, just fine. (laughs) So just the look of perplexion on these nurses' faces as I keep getting up and and doing laps. And uh, so they had told me that I'd be in ICU for at least 10 days. And on the third day, I was put on a standard floor. I was only in ICU. For so, three days.
0: Awesome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I was home before the 10 days were even up. So I was home before I was even supposed to be out of ICU. And um, I I remember my neurologist coming in and, or my neurosurgeon coming in and visiting me and just laughs. He goes, you know, you, you you told me that you'd recover and you'd be fine and you are like I told you he's like that's not really how brain surgery works man it isn't you tell me I I'm the neurosurgeon I I normally tell my patients and uh you know the the running joke is I would always say hi I'm Tracy like hi I'm Tracy." And um just, know who you are. Right? Don't tell me I can't do something. I five percent. I've got five percent. I'm good. I have a percentage. We're fine. Zero per, I'm never gonna walk again. Bulls not. watch me. Don't tell me so I you're can't Tell me
0: I have a chance.
1: Exactly. So you yeah. know I get home. And, you know, I'm missing, you know, a ton of hair because they've shaved my head. And the one thing about me is I've always loved my, I, I love my hair. I, I, I love my hair. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I've got hats and I've got scarves and everything to cover up the fact that I'm shaved in the back of my head. And, um, you know, I, I have to keep walking so that my brain remembers to keep walking. So I go outside with these huge hats. And I'm walking around town and you know, I was working for Habitats. So the entire community knew that I had had brain surgery. It, it was kind of, it's a smaller community. So people would see me and the look of shock on their faces, I'm just walking around like, Hey, how you doing? You know? And they're like, you're okay. I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. And they're like, um, okay. I don't understand. And, uh, So, you know, you have to go back for follow-up visits and Dr. Schmidt just every time I saw him, he just he'd just laugh. He you know, he'd okay, go watch the other end of the room and that okay, now walk back. He's like you've just not accepted we have cut part of your brain out. Like I'm fine. He's just like, this is not what any of us expected. Just just so you know, you should not be walking. I'm like, just so you know, I will do whatever I want to do. He's like, that's not how the brain works, Tracy. Apparently is how your brain works. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. <sighs> so of course he wants to figure out how Tracy's brain is working because Tracy's not supposed to be walking. So he orders what's called an fMRI and an fMRI lights up when you do different things. So if you smell something, it lights up that area. If you move a finger, it lights up different areas. So he's like, all right, we're going to do an fMRI. Cause I, I got to see what's going on. Like this, we're going to take a look at, at this. Cause okay. He's like, I removed brain matter and you are acting like I didn't like, eh, I'm fine. It's just like no, we're gonna look at this. We're we're gonna see what's going on. So you you sit there and and they do the tests. Look at these pictures. Move this. Say this. Look here. Look there. Move your hand. Move your finger. Move your leg. Move your toes. You know they're giving you these directions while you're hooked up to these things all over your head. So this guy that's doing this, he's he's got a screen in front of me as he's telling me to do these things and and the look of horror perplexion shock I don't know I I do not know what to describe is the look on this man's face so we finish this all up and, and he's just confused just this strange look on his face and he goes well I'm, I'm going to send the results over to Dr. Schmidt and he, I'm pretty sure he's going to call you soon. <laughs> and then he walks out and I'm like, okay, okay. So I get a phone call the next week from Dr. Schmidt. And now here's the thing. Dr. Schmidt is a genius, best neurosurgeon on the planet. And he, especially with Chiari malformation, people come from all over the world he he's a genius he the bedside manner you know the people that are so smart that they they're just too smart to to have normal bedside manner of he yeah. told me i was gonna die nine and a half percent you're gonna die let's take a chance anyway like not the greatest sweet love muffin-y warm huggy <laughs> type doctor but if you're gonna survive it's because he kept you alive you know mm-hmm. So he calls me and he's laughing. Now I have never heard this man laugh. Like in all of the crazy things I had said to him, I had never heard him laugh. So I answer the phone. He's like, "Hi Tracy, it's Doctor Schmidt." And he, you know, he he sounds funny. I said, "Hi Doctor Schmidt, how are you doing?" He's like, and then he gets the giggles. He's like, you know, the the I am Tracy thing that you say all the time. I'm like, yeah. He's like, yeah. That's the only. It's that's the answer to everything now i'm like i know he's like no that's literally the answer you are tracy there is nobody like you tracy i'm like i know he's like no i don't think you're hearing words coming out of my mouth you there nobody there's nobody like you i said okay what does that mean he goes i don't know
0: (laughs) okay we're all still trying to figure that out
1: Right? Exactly. We've been trying to figure that out since nineteen seventy-five. I'm just saying. I was born. <laughs> so um, you know, he tells me, he goes, you know, the fmri lights up different parts of your brain. He goes, No part of your brain lit up where it was supposed to light up, Tracy. not one, not one area lit up where it was supposed to not one. Nowhere was your brain behaving like a quote unquote normal brain. He goes, So you are Tracy. I said, yes, I'm Tracy. He goes, and you have a Tracy brain. I'm like, so that's what we're going to call it? He goes, I don't know what else to call it. I'm like, okay, cool. And then he goes, look, I don't know what that means because, you know, we've seen this before. Your brain reroutes itself, you know, it, it, it changes what it needs to do and it makes up for what it's missing. And, and you're missing brain matters. So your brain is rewiring itself. So I think in a few years, It'll just rewire itself back to how it's supposed to, but we'll see. But you need to know that, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. You know, you you survived odds that you shouldn't have survived. You are walking when you shouldn't be. You're communicating, you're doing things. We were expecting you to be vegetated. You know, while I was doing the surgery, I wasn't sure if we were going to have Tracy back. And we do but we don't know for how long and i'm like no i'm good he's like well i kind of need you to come to terms that you might not be i said no i'm fine it's like one of these days you're going to accept what i'm telling you i said dr schmidt i will never ex- accept anything a doctor has told me because since 1999 no doctor has thought that I'd make it to where I am now. And I just survived brain surgery. He's like, yeah, you did. I'm like, yeah, I did. <laughs> oh, so, you know, after a while, you don't have to go see them with follow-up care anymore. And um, again, this was during Obamacare and um, my insurance got out of having to take care of me anymore. And I was paying pretty high premiums. I was paying about and something dollars a month. And um, I couldn't get any follow-up care. I couldn't get my medicine covered. I, I was dead in the water. So my husband actually entered the Air Force because the only insurance company that would cover me was TRICARE. It was government insurance. So my husband was gonna be a cop. He got his degree. He had his criminal justice degree. He was you know working with local police departments and um, changed his entire existence. He went into the Air Force, open enlisted, and um, was about to age out. So he didn't get to pick a job. He just went in there to keep me alive. We got really lucky. He got an amazing job. He was a biomedical equipment tech, which I think is funny because I needed him to go in there for medical reasons and he wound up working on medical equipment. Right. (laughs) His tech school was quite a long tech school. So I actually got to um, go out to Texas to be with him during his tech school. We were at Fort Sam Houston. And um, he was in, so biomedical equipment tech, they're called BMETs. And um, all of medical training is at Fort Sam Houston in Texas. And uh, he was there training with some other Air Force, some Army, and some Navy people. And, um, you know, there's a thing called Q coding in the military. And if there's something really wrong with you, you get Q coded. Well, here's what was really funny. Well, I think it's funny, but I'm sick and twisted. If you couldn't figure that out by now, I'm letting you know now. Um, While he was in basic training, part of what they have to do is fill out paperwork. Like the first day of basic training, you get off the bus and they scare the snot out of you. Then you go to sleep, you're scared to death. And then the next day you're filling out paperwork. Picture this, you're filling out paperwork and on the paperwork, it's asking for a little bit of medical history for your family. Has anybody been in the hospital? Yes. Has anybody had surgery? Yes. If so, what for? Brain surgery. (laughs) Needless to say, the instructors let him get another phone call. Because normally we only got phone calls on Sunday. It's a Tuesday. I get a phone call. And Garrett's like, "Um, so, um." we need some information from you. I need you to send this stuff. So I had to overnight my ID and all this stuff, you know, to Garrett. And then I get to Fort Sam and um, I'm in a hotel because my apartment wasn't ready yet. And I get a call from the United States Air Force. And uh, she's like, I need to talk to you about a Q code. I'm like, what's a Q code? She's like, well, we're gonna have to Q code you. I said, well, what does that mean? And she goes, well, it it just means that your husband's job, you know, you you might have just destroyed your husband's career. Gary is not (laughs) even in his career yet. He's still in tech school. And I have this woman telling me I have destroyed my husband's Air Force career that hasn't even begun. So I think we're about to get kicked out of the military because this Q code. Like I, dude, it, mm, Right. So I'm like, oh, what do I have to do? How do I fix this? She goes, you can't fix it. You had brain surgery. I said, yeah. She goes, well, you can only go to certain bases. I said, okay. And she goes, well, we need to figure out what bases you need to go to. I'm like, okay. She goes, so we need to send you to a neurologist. I'm like, okay, fine. She goes, I got you an appointment with this neurologist. You need to go meet with him on this day. I'm like, okay. So I go to that neurologist. And I, again, still have no idea what a cue code is, but I'm going to the neurologist she told me to go to. So I walk in there, he's like, I've read your reports. I'm like, okay. He goes, I don't know what to do with you. (laughs) I've read the reports, I don't know what to do with you. Were the words that came out of his, those are the first, not hi, How are you? Hi, my name is, hi, nothing. (laughs) I read the reports, I don't know what to do with you. I'm like, well, what does that mean for the cue code? He goes, well, you're walking and talking and I don't understand. So I'm not gonna cue code you. I'm like, okay. He goes, but i also can't see you again either and i'm like <laughs> okay he goes because i don't know what to do with you so i've never i this is the last time i'll see you i'm like well i need a neurologist he goes well not me they're gonna have to find <laughs> you someone else okay so i get home and the lady calls me back she goes okay we don't need to Q code you but i found you a new neurologist you need to go to this person next week okay so I go to that neurologist, that neurologist walks in. He, Hi, I'm so-and-so. I said, hi, I'm Tracy. He goes, yeah. He goes, um, so you had your surgery at University of Utah. I said, yeah, I did. He goes, I don't know how you're still alive. I don't know what to do with you. I said, why? <laughs> why? why? What? <laughs> what? look it's just another person to add to the list who doesn't know I don't know what to do with you the same freaking words I don't know what to do with you and I said well (laughs) I don't know what you're supposed to be doing with me I just need somebody to help me manage the pain he goes no 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 I don't understand how you're walking and I'm like using my feet and then he got mad at me for being a snarky Like the, like you would have thought that this man was about to murder me for snarking off to him. Well, he started it. He didn't know what to do with me. It's his own fault. I don't know how you're walking. I'm using my feet. That's (laughs) how I'm walking. My feet are propelling me forward along with my legs. They are moving me in a forward, backward, sideward motion and using my feet. He didn't like that answer. It was a valid comment. I use my feet and legs to walk. It works. Exactly. that's how I'm walking because my feet and legs are carrying me to another place. So he's like, I, I, I don't know what to do with you. I can't see you. We'll have to find you a new neurologist. I'm like, okay, fine. Same lady get a phone call from the next day. And she's like, okay, we found you another neurologist. Now keep in mind, this is now my third neurologist in less than two months. So I go in there, she walks in, I've already called the U S air force doctor. They can refill those. So I said, um, <laughs> are you sure? Cause I, I don't think a primary care. She's like, no, 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 I'll put that on the notes that so they refill those. Cause we don't know what to do with you. Same words. Don't know what to do with you. I am now getting sick of the words. Don't know what to do with you. Like these words need to stop being said at this point in time. So I see the primary care the next day, they refill the prescription. The primary care looks at me like she's never seen half of the prescriptions and just says, you, until you get a neurologist, I'm gonna go ahead and approve these for 30 days. Okay. So she <laughs> goes, I, I've already called her back and I, I let her know that um, they need to find a new neurologist. <laughs> at this point in time, stick a fork in me, my potato has been done for two months now. So I look <laughs> at her and I, and I ask her, I'm like, all right, dumb question. What can't you guys handle? Why is everybody saying they can't deal with me? Like what, what is wrong with me? She goes, cause you shouldn't be alive. And I'm like, but I am. She was just, and she was the first one that was, she was on it. It was pretty funny. She goes, let me explain something to you, Tracy. I said, yes, please. She goes, as a neurologist, we have what's called a god complex. I said, "Okay," she says. We think we're gods because we handle the brain. You know, cardiologists thinks they're gods. They have a teeny tiny heart. We have your brain. Your brain tells you everything. Your your brain tells your heart to beat. They think that they're gods. We are the gods. We. <laughs> control the brain, we control life and death more than, because, you know, if your brain didn't work, your heart wouldn't go, you know, your your heart can't, you know, you, it needs the brain. I'm like, okay, because we, we don't know what to do with you. We don't know what to make of you. We don't know how to fix you. I said, well, per my neurosurgeon, we're just hanging on for the ride. She's like, that's not how a neurologist likes to work. We think we can fix everybody and that we're gods. And when we read your papers, you you,
0: we,
1: you remind us that we're human and we don't like that. We don't like knowing that we don't know everything.
0: And well, you make you no sense.
1: It, how are you supposed to find a, a doctor
0: who will deal with you then? This is what I asked.
1: She's like, I don't know, but I can't see you. I'm like, okay, fine. So I go home. Two days later, I get a phone call from the lady again. Now mind you, it's been the same lady that originally told me I've destroyed my husband's career. So her and I, are her now, her and I now, the poor woman has no idea what to do with me. You can hear it in her voice. Every time she's calling me, That she just is, she's about to give up. <laughs> so she goes, all right, civilian neurologists are not working out for you. I said, well, you think? She goes, we have a neurologist on base at, at, at SAMC. And uh, I'm like, okay. She goes, I have already called major Ford. I'm like, okay. She was major Ford said that he will take you as a patient. I'm like, sweet. <laughs> she goes, that's why it took me so long to call you because I, I needed to make sure he read your papers because all these other people said that they would take you as a patient too, and then two minutes later, I'm getting a phone call saying no. So I I've talked to Major Ford, and Major Ford said that did he will, because t- you have to have a neurologist. I'm not going to Q code you, but you have to have a neurologist, obviously. You, you had your brain cut out. I'm like, yeah, I do. So she's like, all right, it's going to take me two months to get you into Dr. Ford. We've gone ahead. I've, I've got a hold of your primary care. We're going to go ahead and refill your prescriptions again. But it's stressing your primary care doctor out okay but i need those prescriptions she's like yeah but she's only he's only gonna fill it one more time we can't fill it again i'm like okay then you better get me into major ford in time to refill the prescription she goes you might be a few days without a prescription i said um remember the whole i'm supposed to be dead thing pretty sure that's gonna happen if i don't take these prescriptions so we have a problem She says, well, we're going to put you on an emergency call list. I said, okay, but I need to refill these prescriptions in time because I don't know what's going to happen if these aren't filled. She says, well, we'll have you on the emergency call list. I said, okay, fine. Believe it or not, three days later, I get a phone call to go see Major Ford. I didn't have to wait the two months. Nice. (laughs) So I go in and see Major Ford, and this man is probably the most adorable neurologist and at this point in time I had given up on life you know like I was ready for him to say I don't know what to do with you (laughs) so I go in there and he says hey Tracy so uh I hear you've been having fun I'm like sure let's use those words he's like here's the things I work for the military I don't get to say no he goes I I I, I don't get to say no so, so basically he would have <laughs> yeah he goes so not only are you stuck with me kind of stuck with you too like I'm sorry he goes this is either going to be fascinating or fascinating but it's going to be fascinating one way or another he goes, here's the thing about me. And here's where I'm different than anybody else you're gonna work with. I said, okay, the fact that you're not gonna tell me you don't know what to do with me and you're stuck with me. He's like, okay, well, you've already heard those words. So let's try some new words. He goes, I don't like Orthodox medicine. And I, I look at him, I'm like, you're in the military. Isn't your whole world Western medicine? He's like, no. I'm like, oh, you and I might be best friends. He's like, are you okay with that? I said, well, what are you thinking? He's like, I'm thinking Botox and acupuncture. I'm like, did you say acupuncture? He's like, I did. Does that excite you? I said, oh, I have not tried acupuncture ever. He's like, you've been with this for since 1999 and it is 2012. You've never tried acupuncture? I'm like, nope. He's like, guess what we're doing tomorrow? I'm like, okay, I won the lottery. Yay, you're going to stick me with needles. He's like. I can tell you've had a lot of medical because not many people are excited about needles. And most of the time they question me about it. And here you are like, let's go. I'm like, see all the scars on my hands and arms and body. Those are from needles. Your needles are smaller than those needles. He's like, okay, I'll see you tomorrow. (laughs) And that's how major Ford and I became best friends. (laughs) So I got, I got really lucky and I had major Ford um, while Garrett was in tech school. I got to keep him the whole nine months. And then, um, and I was doing pretty well. We did Botox, we did acupuncture and we did a crap ton of medication. The cool part was with him though, is I didn't do any experimental medication with him. He was the first one that I didn't do the weird stuff with. We did regular meds, but we, you know, he did a really good job mixing Eastern and Western medicine. Mm-hmm. And I, I loved that. I, I thought that was the greatest thing ever. Like, yay. And, um, so Garrett's getting closer and closer to graduating at this point in time. We think we're going to Luke air force base in Arizona, which I was excited about. I'd never been to Arizona except driving through, but never lived there. And I, I was excited. I, I was ready. Let's go right before graduation. I, I, every afternoon I would go eat with um, my husband and some of his classmates. And I'd bring lunch and I'd bring lunch for everybody. And uh, I'd come and i bring lunch. And um, one of the, Ar- one of the girls from the army that's in his class, she's laughing. She's, she's at the table laughing. And I said, oh, you know, did you guys have a good class? She's like, tell her. And Garrett's like, shut up. Like, she's like, tell her, tell her now." I'm like, tell me what? Garrett's like, nothing. And I'm like, no. <laughs> Tell me what he's nothing, and he kicks her under the table. I'm like, You don't you be kicking, Cassie? It's like she needs to shut up. I'm like, Well, obviously, you have something to tell me. He's like, No, it can wait. I'm like, Obviously, it cannot wait. What did we what 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 does Tracy need to know? Nothing, and Cassie's like, Oh, (laughs) you're gonna tell her? I'll tell her if you're not gonna tell her. You need to tell her cassie is like the cheshire cat with the grin on her face that cannot it is going ear to ear and then we've got another army guy there he's like you better tell her you tell her better you better tell her now cassie already let the the cat out of the bag you, you need to tell her and, and now i've had it. tell me what so garrett looks at me he goes well i i got my my new orders i said oh are we going to luke he's like mm, no i'm like okay where are we going he goes well it, not luke I'm like, Garrett, where are we going? He goes, well. You know, we're we're staying stateside. Garrett, where is your next duty station? Hill Air Force Base. To hell it is! No, it's not. You're screwing with me. There's no way you got Hill Airport. No, mm-hmm, no. I am now crying. I am holding on to the table that we are sitting at for dear life. Tears are dang near rolling down my face. No, we are not going to no, no. You enlisted out of Utah. Your duty station is not going to be northern Utah. I want to go see anywhere else in the world besides Utah. I will any other state. Any just not Utah. We just left Utah. I don't want to go back. Please don't make me go back. We're going to Hill. I thought the world had ended when he kind of put his foot down and solidified that our next duty station was going to be Hill Air Force Base. My whole world crushed because I wanted to go somewhere new.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: We enlisted out of southern Utah. Our duty station was northern Utah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> uh. Now, remember the Q code thing I was telling you about earlier? Yes. The fact that they didn't Q code me. Well, Facebook at the time, you could throw sheep at people, and you were on Facebook, and we were communicating mm-hmm. through Facebook a little bit. And uh, I got a new neurologist in Utah, and great neurologists loved him. And uh, he tells me, he goes, well, you need a cane. No, I don't need a cane. He goes, "Mm, but you do. Like, I just get a little dizzy. He's like, how many times have you fallen? I'm like, I refuse to answer that question on the count that you might hold it against me. He's like, Tracy, you need to start using a cane. They cut a lot of brain out of you. You You are missing brain matter. There there is brain matter missing from you. And the fact that you've been without a cane this long, let alone not in a wheelchair, you need a cane. I didn't want a cane. Because I know. (laughs) I didn't want a cane. Because it's not cool. (laughs) It was they're ugly. So my butt got on the computer and found a pretty purple cane with bedazzled and somebody sent me the pretty bedazzled
0: purple cane. Do you remember who that was? No, she must be really nice though.
1: Yeah, she's kind of awesome. She I'm must be of, a good friend. Yeah, I, I've kind of known her since 1995 and not only did she send it to me, she kind of threatened me that I needed to use it because she sent it to me. In, That's in right, no good girl. Terms, were the words coming out of her mouth that I needed to listen and obey her and and I don't obey many people
0: that's very true (laughs) (laughs) I mean because hi you're (laughs) Tracy
1: 2013 I started using a cane good girl do we want to know how many canes I currently own Yes, it's more than two hands, because <laughs> if I have to use a cane, it has to match what I'm wearing and it has to look fabulous. <laughs> so it gets even funnier. Mm. So we are at Hill Air Force Base and um, in the military, they have military balls. Now, you know of these because 29 Palms and Marines, the Marine Corps ball. You know, it's a big thing on the 29 mm-hmm. Palms base with the stupid little Marines. No, they're not dumb. I love them. But it, get, <laughs> my husband went Air Force for a reason. I'm just saying. We were Air Force. We were not. We were Air Force. You know, just saying. Air Force. So Garrett tells me I get <laughs> one Air Force ball per duty installation. And I made him sign an agreement that I would at least get the one. Like we legitimately had a contract. Oh my God. I had a contract for two things. There was an Air Force ball contract and a photo contract. So I got an Air Force ball port installation and I got family pictures every time he did a rink advancement. He legitimately signed those contracts because I <laughs> am a horrible wife and I made him. So the Air Force <laughs> I love ball is around comes around and, and there's another health issue that happened during this time. So we weren't even sure if I could go to the Air Force ball. Um, nothing to do with my brain had, I had cancer at the time. And so, um, I had to have, uh, some cancer removed and then I had, uh, a little thing in me that I'll call Egbert. He was my dream. He he was ugly and it was a dream and it, it was ugly. And Egbert and I were not friends because it was getting really close to the Air Force Bowl and I wanted to go to the ball. I only got to order the tickets once. And if I didn't get to go this time, I wasn't able to go. We, we were done. I got one chance at the ball and I was going to the ball and Egbert <laughs> needed to leave. Well, It's a ball. You have to be Cinderella at a ball. So I had this beautiful light blue, like Mm -hmm. ice blue dress. It was gorgeous. Well, I couldn't have glass slippers, but I had a glass cane. Yeah, I did. Oh Oh, my my gosh. gosh. It's so awesome. It's a I love it. It's that technic. It looks like glass. It's plastic, but it totally looks like glass. And everybody kept calling it my glass slipper that night. It was fantastic. So, but right now I think my count is 15 different canes. Yeah. Yeah. And I need a few more because I, I need a few more colors. I need a teal one. I don't have a teal one. I feel like I need a teal one because it's teal. But, but I still if, have if,
0: my... if, if anybody wants to get her a cane, reach out <laughs> to me, and I will get you her mailing address.
1: <laughs> and I have an Amazon wish list just of canes. It's really bad, because <laughs> if I have to use a cane, I have to look great with my cane. Yeah. Love so, it. So, yeah, I, the, you know, but the thing it is is that through the years, I now have my cane, I have my walker, and I have a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And then when I'm at larger events, like when my husband and I used to go to Comic-Con, I had to use an electric wheelchair. So progressively I've, I've been getting worse. I'm still alive. I'm, I'm still here. Obviously yay! I'm talking to you, right? I mean, it's uh, been
0: what 12, it's been 12 years since you had my right? surgery. Yep. 12, 12. Yeah. 12 years. So, I mean, we've had 12 more years with you, which has been, you know, in my eyes, wonderful uh it's, I it, don't know what I would do without you
1: it's been <laughs> a journey about um, that. while Garrett was active duty um I had two different neurologists um one neurologist uh decided that he had a very large um he had a few offices in Utah and he decided that he wanted to take the other two offices and then his other person would take the two offices by the base and so I stayed with Dr. Nelson and I love that man, it freaked me out because he was young, but he had multiple PhDs. Like he he, he he was a freak, loved him, he was a freak. So he wasn't just a neurologist, he also had his um, specialty in pain management. So it worked out great mm. for me because everything I needed I could do in, in one building. And it got to the point where the pain was shutting my brain, brain down again. And I, I was shutting down, I was, I was having some problems. I had to get tattoos on my wrists because I was passing out so often, and there's a certain way you have to handle me in the ambulance, and it was the best way to get the information to the rescuers when Mm -hmm. I couldn't communicate. So the um, fire chief on Hill Air Force Base actually came up with the idea of the tattoos and told me what kind of tattoos I needed, so I got them. Um, But Dr. Nelson, He, he he was funny. He's like, well. You know, you've, you've made it this far. You've, you've lived a pretty, pretty long and healthy life and and you've done really well. He goes, but you know, we need to start talking about how you want to end your life. And I told him, I said, I just want to be comfortable. And he goes, okay, how comfortable? I said, look, it's, it's too much pain. He goes, all right, we're going to just make sure you're comfortable. That's all we can do now is just make sure you're comfortable. I said, okay, he goes, so opioids, like, okay, lots of opioids, and we're going to give you a fentanyl patch. Okay, just make the pain go down, because I'm done. He goes, oh, yeah, no, we'll make the pain to go down. So it's really cute. Um, In the military, you go to base, and you get your prescriptions filled, and they can fill almost all your prescriptions, except for what's considered end-of-life meds, and one of those end-of-life meds is a fentanyl patch, and then another med that I had, which was a inhalant, kind of like morphine. You put up your nose and push down, and whoa, it goes right to your brain. <laughs> <laughs> so the base didn't fill those two prescriptions, so I had to get those prescriptions off base. But they could fill everything else, and it was really funny. Um, because Garrett worked, or my husband worked in the medical clinic, um. I knew all the medical people, you know, that, that was, those were my people that I knew them, I knew their families, all that kind of stuff. So I go to the pharmacy and, you know, I give them my, my stack of opioid prescriptions and all my other prescriptions, my migraine prescriptions, my, the the stack of prescriptions and, um, Sergeant Ramos, you know, you get called back up to pick up your prescriptions and there's a box (laughs) of all my bags of prescriptions. And uh, Sergeant Ramos laughs and he's like, We all knew you were a freak. I'm like, yeah. He's like, This is going to take out a herd of elephants, just one day of your meds. I'm like, I'll be fine. So I'm on all these meds for a while. And what was great is, you know, they helped for a really long time. And where I was, you know, supposed to start passing, to be honest with you, I was feeling better. I, I wasn't sleepy. Mm-hmm. I wasn't in bed all the time. I wasn't tired. I was doing more volunteer work than I had done since I quit working. I was going out with the girls. I was involved in the enlisted spouses club. I was doing the fundraisers on. And Dr. Nelson is like, um, so this is working backwards. <laughs> um
0: i don't know what to do with you
1: <laughs> he goes um you should be tired in and, and at least calm you are not calm you 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 have some energy in you 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 are a ball of tracy and i kind of liked that you know, a ball of tracy you're just the ball, ball of Tracy. Of tracy. And um, he goes, this this, this isn't what we expected to happen, but it's working, so let's go with it. So I was on an insane amount of opioids that literally were keeping me alive. I wasn't passing out. I was still having issues. I still have to go to the hospital pretty often. Um, In the hospital, they have a concoction. It's um, a concoction of uh, morphine, Benadryl, and an anti-nausea. And for people with migraines, that concoction works really well, um, intravenous. And so every now and then I'd have to go to the hospital and, and they'd have to give it to me. And then, you know, I am building up a tolerance to pain meds. Right. Mm-hmm. And then um, there's the horse tranquilizer called ketamine. So <laughs> pretty good horse tranquilizer that is now approved for human use. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if you knew that but, yeah. um, yep. people can now use a horse tranquilizer. Mm-hmm. Ketamine and I became best friends. <laughs> the nurses got to know me so well that we just ketamine, Benadryl, anti-nausea. Like this is what Tracy's here. Let's just start. They, they just, I, the room, the medicine. Like when you door, walk like, into a restaurant and they're like, Oh, your usual? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what that started turning into. Like, we got to. Uh... So I, I was able to stay on that regimen for a few years. And, and honestly, it, it worked for a long time, which was kind of unexpected, because although I was building up a tolerance, I was still able to manage the pain. You know, I had talked out most of these opioids, but it was still my pain. So I was okay. You know, I, yeah. I wasn't passing out. I, it was my pain. So some stuff happened and um, my husband was medically retired from the military and uh, we decided to move back down to Southern Utah. I know, crazy. Don't even get me started on that. It's just, that's a whole it's nother where you're supposed thing. To be. It's where you're supposed to be. <laughs> it really is. I see that now, but not, I just, hmm. yeah. Utah is a unique state. Again, a whole other thing. <laughs> So, um, I, we moved down here and the problem is, is that the opioids weren't working anymore and I was passing out again. The pain was becoming too much. My brain was shutting down. And, uh, again, I find a young neurologist down here. I like the young neurologists. They really think out of the box. They're just like, let's go. You know, they, they might have God complexes, but they're young enough not to be stuck in the God complex. Yeah. So, um, this neurologist, I had had an appointment with him, and he canceled it, and then um, reset it for the next Monday. And um, I go in there, and he goes, "Okay, well, I talked to your last neurologist. You did what?" Because yeah, I, I called my, Dr. Nelson after I got your records. I wanted to read your records over the weekend and 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 figure you out, but there's no figuring you out. <laughs> um, so oh, I had gosh, to not a
0: truer statement in
1: the world not a, oh my gosh okay keep going sorry so um he, tell, he tells me he goes look there is nothing currently on the market that will help you I'd like to put you on some experimental meds how do you feel about that I said I've done it before he goes well all right are you okay with this I said again I've done this before he goes no no I don't think you understand this isn't like There is only a handful of you that's on this med, and and you're one of of the first few numbers of that handful. But there, I don't know what else to do. I said, "Oh, let's try it," and he goes, "You okay? Do you have any questions?" I'm like, "No." He's like, "Okay." I'm like, "Eh, "It'll either kill me or not." He's like, "You're terrible." He's like, I don't think I've ever heard that expression before. I'm like, I'm dead, or it works. He's like, um, yeah. Is said so if it doesn't work, I die, and if I don't try it, I die. He's like, well, you understand, okay. So I started using the experimental med, and it worked great. I was actually off all my opioids it was doing great it was the it was amazing so of course you know it's working it's doing great yeah woohoo! so a few years later it it gets a little bit weaker and um he's like well there's a new medicine we don't know if it's gonna help but you know this the deal I'm like either it helps or I die he's like really the bluntness I'm not you he goes you just you have no filter. I'm like, no, I don't. He's like, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's you. (laughs) I'm like, how else do I describe this? He's like, you can't, you're right. It's either gonna help or it doesn't help. So I'm like, do we have any other options? He's like, no, there's nothing else. No, we don't. I'm like, all right, so let's go. He's like, okay, do you have any questions? Nope. Okay. Let's go. That poor man. I, I don't think he ever knew what to do. He still doesn't know what to do with me. So he puts me on it and it works great. I'm now back to the pain that I was when I, now keep in mind, I'm still chronically in pain. It, even mm-hmm. Since 1999, I am in pain 24 seven. Just can I handle it or not handle it? Pain. And so it, the, the combination of the two worked great for a while. Now COVID hits And that was fun because, um, yeah, that, that there's a whole bunch of different directions we can go with that. But one of that is, is that, um, one of the labs that made my special medicine had to make the COVID vaccine. So getting my special medicine, um, let's use the word difficult, shall we? (laughs) Difficult. It was Difficult.
0: That's a nice word.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I have a lot of curse words that I could use, but you don't like when I curse. So I'm trying not to curse.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us today on Test Talks. I hope you enjoyed my chat with my friend, Crazy Tracy, about her Chiari malformation journey. And I hope that you will join us next week for part two as she finishes her story and gets us up to date on how she's doing. Do me a favor and like, subscribe, or leave a review on any platform that you're listening to. And this week, just try to enjoy your time with your family and think about your health and how it's affecting you and what you need to do to keep yourself going. I'm so proud of Tracy. She is an amazing woman she has been through so much and yet she has such a great attitude and she's really there to help people and I love her for that so this week just tell your family you love them and enjoy your time with them and as always love hard live full and laugh often I'll see you next week